Hey out there in listener land, this is Mel House, uh, co-host of Barely Living the Dream podcast. Um, I've wanted to do a film podcast for a while, I just haven't really had the time to do it. But recently, uh, my co-host Chris Warren and I found ourselves on the way out once again to California to work on a film, so we had pretty much 20 hours on the road to record a few, um, I guess, you know, the first few episodes. Um... And that kind of has greased the wheel to create more. So if you would, on these first few, um, I don't know if I'm going to intersperse them with other sort of sit-down interview type podcasts once we get into it. But on the first couple, you may notice some automotive noise. I've dialed it out as much as I can. But it's, uh, you know, we're recording them on our iPhone because it was kind of like spur of the moment. And, um, you know, you'll hear a little bit of on-the-road kind of noise. So uh, forgive that. I think you still hear us pretty well. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And make sure you hit us up on Twitter. I am at Upstart Film. Chris is at SeaWorker4. Or check out UpstartFilmWorks.net for any other related news. Enjoy the podcast. on Chris that we're going to be recording a podcast uh, en route. We're actually in the car, headed from Houston back to California. Yay! This is probably the, I don't know, fifth or sixth time I've done this trip this year. Yep. All in the name of La Vida Cinematica. Um, so, yeah, we're actually headed out to shoot a film, uh, to work on a film called Wicked Tricks. With our friend Jason Miller, who actually is uh, handling the new VFX for Imago, or In the Blood, as, it's, the now, blood, yeah. Yeah, as it's now called. He's involved. Uh, Will Barrett is involved. Uh, he's shooting it. He's the guy that shot Hatchet. He shot a short film that I worked on, that I produced several years ago. Um, a few other really cool people are involved, so we're excited to do it. We actually shoot, we shoot next week, and then we shoot... We break for the holidays, then we go back the first week of January and do it all over again. Um, so that should be fun. We'll be going back and forth and back and forth. But it's kind of what we have to do to, quote unquote, live the dream. So uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about that whole experience. And uh, I wanted to make sure to do it. There's a reason that I have Chris here. Because, like, as I was, well, you know, as I was recording, like, I, we just recently... So Placeholders just recently went live, and I started sort of recording uh, commentaries for that, and while I'm okay with it, whenever I do stuff by myself, like the energy's totally different, I sound really, I don't know, solipsistic and pilled out, <laughs> so I, I don't know, and that's, maybe it's just because everything makes me so tired, even when I'm not tired watching it, you know? It immediately brings back all the experiences of doing it. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I wanted to have Chris here because usually, like, what, the thing is, like, I'm trying to capture the energy of us bitching about this stuff. And I'm gonna, we're going to try not to bitch too much, but I want to be real about it, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of people give you the bullshit side of filmmaking when they're not even really filmmakers, you know what I mean? They're just kind of like dilettantes. 
Hey, look, I can pick up a camera and shoot. Right, or go to a red car. Oh, look at me. Hey, Warner Brothers is going to be on set. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, but you know, I want to kind of get while while I really enjoy this and it's what I love to do. I want to like get to the reality of it. You know, kind of talk about what it really takes. And I'm as we. The thing is, Wicked Tricks is kind of it's going to be a fun shoot. I, I hope it seems like. Yeah. But it definitely is. A, while there are a lot of bigger people involved, it's a smaller shoot, so it's more on the lines of. Man, not even closet space. It's almost more like placeholders because yeah. it's like a few people doing a bunch of stuff, uh, wearing a lot of different hats. Um, so I'm going to try to do updates. I'm going to try to get with Chris every night and do updates. Or if not every night, maybe every the other night. Or yeah. sort of semi-regular as we're going through the shoot to kind of really give you insight on how things are going. Uh, the caveat is I'm the assistant director and the line producer on the film. Chris is the DIT and the uh, assistant editor, on-set editor, maybe second AD, yeah. maybe grip gaffer. Yeah. Uh, what else were we talking about that you might be doing for Will? Was it? Because uh, I called you the other night and said, is it okay if I... I think that was just Oh, swing gap. grip. Swing grip. Yeah. yeah. Swing because grip. we've all kind of... I mean, we've been in situations where we've done all that stuff. But... Uh, we may have some really long and tiring nights. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we're shooting, it's a you know it's a SAG shoot. We're shooting probably twelve hours a day, eight to eight, something like that. Um, we still may be too tired to do it, but I'm going to try, even if we're tired, because I want to capture that. But before we get into any of that, I want to kind of, if Chris wants to talk about it, because it kind of marries, not marries, it kind of mirrors my situation when I kind of jumped into this. If you do you want to talk about what just happened in your life, in your uh, personal life, not not yeah. the marriage, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean it. it yeah, but you I, did just get married. Did just get married. Yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, what was that? So November seventh, I got married. Then we went on, went on our honeymoon. And when I got back from the honeymoon, uh, I walked into my nine to five job, and when I walked in, basically got handed papers. I was laid off. So it kind of just threw me into a loop. Um, it was crazy. It was really fucked up, I mean, to think about it, because, you know, right before the holidays and all that shit. So it just kind of was shitty. Shitty is the best word I can use. Um, and then, so then, at that point, I think we were, we were looking for, uh, Jason was looking for a first AD, which I do a lot as well, and but at that point I thought I saw the job, so you know immediately I reached out to Mel because Mel was looking for gigs and stuff, and so he immediately replied. Well, right after that, and then I got laid off. I immediately reached out to Mel and said, "Hey, I need, I need something. Does Jason have anything left?" Well, the, the DIT was first, right? DIT was first. And yes. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, "We also." gonna have to use you for onset editor oh no they they actually initially they always conceived it as one person doing both okay got it yeah that's why I knew that you could do that yeah and I so it's kind of like the situation has forced you to make filmmaking your yeah I mean I don't have a choice at this point yeah that's kind of what you're doing now yeah because I mean for I think the plan was between me and my now wife we basically were it was going to be, you know, I was going to, we're going to get married, 
honeymoon, stay at the nine to five for about six more months, save up some money, kind of get a little bit of backfill just in case something did happen. Um, and then I was actually going to quit after those six months and start really pursuing it. Uh, of course, that timeline got shoved all way too into the way too into the future too fast, but we're making it work. So, yeah, that's pretty much like I said, it mirrored kind of what happened to me. I guess what was that in 2013? Yeah, 13. Uh, actually, it was 2012 when it started because, like, Chris got married and then got fired. We had our daughter. And then I found out I was basically getting laid off. First, they cut me to part-time. And then, you know, it eventually, like, led to me not having a job there anymore. Uh, at my day job. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, a lot of this I covered in the blog, that blog post that I did, you know, which I'll link to. But that kind of really spurred me to make filmmaking the main thing that I did I, I, I had to yeah. pretty quickly after that I got a couple of gigs and it kind of started working out but I mean in between there there were some dark times because it's not always it's not always popping you know or it's a situation where people think they don't need professional crew or people that know what they're doing or whatever I run into that a lot and then of course you know they fall flat on their faces every time yeah. um, but uh yeah, so I've been doing that. I've been pretty much doing this for a living, you know, since since 2013. Yeah. And uh, as of the last several months, I can't remember exactly when I started sort of staying at Tim's, but uh, I've been bi-coastal, meaning that I kind of live, I live in California and I live in Houston, in Texas still. I basically go out there to work and have been pretty lucky, at, you know, considering... Uh, and then come home and spend time with my family and I try to like keep it balanced and it's been keeping me afloat pretty well um, it definitely has made a huge difference it's like for every every week I spend out there is almost like worth three years of working at movie stuff out in Texas yeah like I make so many huge strides forward you know and just the, the last as of the last like, long stretch of time I was there you know, I went to AFM. I was actually there as part of another movie that I'm producing. And myself and the writer-director just spent the whole week sort of either, like, setting up pre-sales or talking to other people uh, about other stuff and just making making so much headway, not just on that film, uh, which is called Black Summer, but figuring out where In the Blood may go, like, when it's finally done, figuring out who may finance Mystery Spot or finally, you know, finance... Silent Majority, which used to be called Suna Light On, or meeting up with somebody that, or 30 to 45, which actually has sprung back to life again, kind of, and, or like meeting somebody, like I actually met a guy who's probably going to hire me to be a director for hire on a few things. So, like on legit stuff, you know, he's already kind of got the film's package together, got people attached, and is just looking for people to look for directors. And he mentioned this when we were talking to him about something else, and like my ears perked up like a little puppy dog. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude, I'll direct your movie for you. Like, here, I've actually done stuff. So that's kind of like 
you know, what I'm, what we're trying to make our life now. And, uh, it involves a lot of, you know, tough shit like us driving across the country back and forth. Uh, but you know, we're, it's, it's the way we have to do it. Like we're bringing a lot of stuff with us. It's not really, it doesn't make logistical sense to fly out there this time. Uh, because I need my car. We need a lot of. We're bringing a couple, a big light, and a couple other things. And sending air free charges would be ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, because it costs, it costs like a hundred dollars to ship any to, to fly with any baggage now. So uh, there's no way you can kind of easily until I get a a slightly larger base out there. Like eventually, I'm working towards like, I mean, I already have a place to live and a place to put stuff. I need to like have a car out there. And have some more stuff out there, so I don't have to kind of. So basically, like I duplicate my life in two places, um, so that I can work out of Texas or work out of California. Uh, but right now, like the lion's share of the work is actually coming out of California. Yeah. Uh, At least lion's share. Of, let's let's if you don't mind the lion's share of professional work. I was about to. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you went there. The lion's share of professional work is coming out of California because I did. I actually did work it out to where. I came back to work on a movie in September prior to AFM and uh, it was a clusterfuck clusterfuck shit show to say the least and I won't put them on blast I guess but it's you know probably pretty easy to figure out what it was uh, Houston shot it is the it is the absolute worst set I've ever been on no no question and the reason is and I'm not trying to just bitch or like you know crucify people, but the the issues like they make me so mad because it's it they're so easy to take care of. Yeah. And like the reason is the reason that it was so bad, and other people that worked on that set will totally vouch for me. They I actually still have all the emails they sent when I quit because I walked off the set. Yeah. Um, everybody above the line had no clue as to how to actually make a movie. Like they had in their heads the glamorous part of how to act like a producer quote unquote producer but the logistics no idea you know and uh, so that just it snowballed and unfortunately that was the main problem but then like you have you had other things like crew that were crew that had the wrong attitude about being on that set I guess and it just it kind of all snowballed together with a director that was probably out of his depth uh, because he initially wasn't supposed to be directing in the first place. Uh, he kind of got it dropped in his lap, but I mean that's no excuse. You get the job, you do it. Uh, but I mean, you know, we had no shot lists, no planning. I would plan out. I was the AD on that too. I would plan out a day, and then we'd show up for an early call the next day and all the shots would be switched around so that we were no longer long, no longer shooting in where we needed to shoot with the people we needed to shoot with. So people were called like, you know, six hours too early or we had to call people six hours earlier than they needed to be called on the day because what we had planned before was no longer valid. And this was a recurring thing, you know, like there was just no, no communication, no pre-planning, uh, it was, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Well, and mind you, so 
throughout this, I just I remember Mel giving me texts all the time. The other thing that I know it pisses me off, I'm sure it pisses Mel off a lot too, is that I remember you constantly sending me was, you know, the director, the director and the producers wouldn't show up till so what, 15, 30 minutes late? Oh, worse than that. Worse than like that. the director was always late. The producers would show up late and granted, you know, you think, oh, well, producers don't necessarily have to be on set. Yeah, if you're working on a big movie, maybe, yeah. or they're in the office doing producery stuff, I've been in that position too, but in this case, the producers are responsible for bringing the crafty, for bringing the ice, for transporting talent around, and they would show up 30, 45, an hour, an hour late, every day, every day. And sometimes wouldn't even have the ice. Right, and so, like, crews get pissed off, they were already pissed off. Uh, talent would be brought to set late. Uh, sometimes an hour and a half, two hours late. One time the excuse I got was, oh, we wanted to take him to a nice dinner. <laughs> so, you know, it was shit like that that was happening constantly on this set. And, uh, you know, we tried. To, I tried to keep it together as much as possible. And I had a few allies, thankfully. But, like when I say a few, I mean two or three. <laughs> people that were kind of helping me but you know at the end of the day it just all fell apart and I just had too much and the uh, piece of shit DP threw me under the bus and that was just it for me Yeah. Uh, so I hope to never not just never work with those people again I hope to never ever have to look at them again because uh, I don't know what my burning rage is going to cost me to do yeah And I'm getting too old for it. So, yeah, it was just... Uh, so, that's what I get for setting up, for working in California, then going, oh, I'll do another movie in Houston. That's the lesson I learned. And pretty much that typifies, for me at least, kind of like what the scene is like there, unfortunately. I wish it were different, but, I mean, it's all versions of the same thing. Even, even shit that I've worked on, like Sweatshop, had a lot of the same problems, you know? Yeah. The difference being is that people get snowed by certain other things that weren't present on this set and don't see the foundational problems that are going on because their egos are not allowing them to see it or whatever. And that happened on this too. One of the things that we kept, <coughs> I kept hearing on this most recent set was that everybody be cool, let's keep it together. Warner Brothers is going to be visiting the set. Yeah, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay. And and we, we kept, this was sort of an, it became like a mantra to answer actual issues that were happening. Like, you know, we, like din- dinner's late or lunch is late every day. The crew's getting pissed. It's fine, you know. We're going to make a great movie. Remember, Warner Brothers is visiting the set. By the way, Warner Brothers never visited the set. Well, I'm told by the DIT that somebody did visit the set but it's it's unclear as to whether they were a black guy with the last name of Warner or (laughs) (laughs) you know don't get mad at me I'm half black I can make that joke but you know what I mean like okay let's just assume let's just assume that it's true great what does it fucking matter if you don't have a movie finished to sell to them it doesn't you know and that's giving them the benefit of the doubt that somebody's going to visit your set in Houston and actually care about it. Yeah. 
like I've been on bigger stuff that they gave less of a shit about you know what I mean it just that doesn't sound right to me but even if it were like come on really so uh, yeah I don't want to go on too much about that film because it gets me all pissed off again yeah the rage yeah uh, but eventually they'll learn their lesson or maybe they won't because you know maybe it'll come out and be a big hit and they'll move on and do the same shit all over again my guess is no though because there was stuff that never even got shot that was a, that was crucial to the storyline so we're putting the movie together so I don't fucking know I don't fucking care <laughs> it, is what it, it is what it is and I've moved on and learned another lesson the hard way as they seem to all come <laughs> so uh, yeah that was my, my last experience working out there but you know by and large the experience even you know even the cold descent which was crazy in other ways yeah was I'm, I'm crazy not... for the right reasons I guess yeah you know like yeah, it was yeah. it was just filmmaking crazy yeah not necessarily logistically crazy although it did get that way it did but I mean still I mean in reality compared to what I at least what I heard about of the other movie that it, I would have had rather have had 15 other movies with those same problems than have that movie ever yeah so but I mean I, I mean Cold Descent was a great great experience for me you know actually getting to Yeah, it was nice to. It was nice for us to walk on a set in Los Angeles with a big, pretty big budget, the biggest budget of anything I've worked on so far at, at that high of a level. Uh, that was unionized. That was shooting on a soundstage. They had a lot of like bigger moving parts, I guess, and we hug with the big dogs. Actually, I mean, I don't want to bend over and suck my own dick, but we kind of, like, were the big dogs, I guess. Kind of. In yeah. a way, like, yeah. everybody, quick, because I was kind of, you know, I was hesitant. I was like, how are we going to, how are they going to take us? Are they going to be like, oh, is, is it going to be this sort of annoyingly didactic experience where people are constantly telling me, like, well, out here, this is how we do, this is how we do movies, this way. Yeah. Oddly enough, that fucking piece of shit DP on that other movie that I was just talking about did that more than these actual working professionals did uh, on Cold Descent. Um, but anyway, they we, we gelled perfectly with everybody. We quickly gained their, their respect immediately after, I mean, during the film, during the shooting, and then immediately after. To, I mean, you know, we're headed out to a set where a lot of those people are returning. Actually, we met the guy that's producing the movie on Cold Descent yeah, exactly. and forged a relationship with him, but yeah. like it didn't seem like there was a big divide between the way we do things and the way they need do things. Uh, there was kind of like some, for me as a line producer, there was a little bit of a learning curve just like figuring out California laws and stuff like labor laws and shit like that. Same thing for me as AD. Right. So that was that was a, an issue, kind of. It wasn't that big of a deal, but you know, we had a payroll company, so they helped me walk. They helped walk me through and explain everything for me, and 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. But aside from that, like we meshed perfectly, and everybody loved us and wants to work with us again. Is working with us again. So it was nice to have that experience. And Chris, you know, fucking ran the set and had no second AD. No, no. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I lied to him in the beginning and said that I'd try. I didn't lie. I didn't know it was a lie at the time <laughs> that I'd try to help him. But it, there was so much work as the line, as the UPM line producer that just like paperwork was six hours of the day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. You know. Well, well and not only that, let's just be honest, there were times that you were up at four in the morning going to get crafty with yeah. breakfast for everybody. So right. I had to get up at no Yeah, I had to get up at four thirty and go pick up the breakfast from the caterer. Because the we got the we got a pretty good deal from the caterer. The caterer was awesome. Boys in the kitchen. Boys highly in the recommended. Seat. Highly recommended. Boys in the kitchen.com. Spelled like boys in the hood. Uh, the, they were awesome, but the deal that we cut with them for the amazing food they gave us required someone to pick it up. They couldn't deliver it to us for that price, which is fine. So I just did it. You know, I got up and drove to Burbank every morning to pick up the breakfast, and then uh, would I would either go or I'd send a PA to go at lunch to go pick it up. You know, and. Uh, it was really not that big of a deal. I didn't mind because we were, I knew we were getting something out of it, like which was really good food. But it did end up, <laughs> it did end up making me like really tired in a in a way that I haven't been in a long time. Like I remember I had the Stephen King book revival. I took it with me, and I was like, because we would shoot like seven to seven or eight to eight, you know, normal days. And I didn't read one page, or actually, I read one page of that book probably. 50 times yeah. because I would start and then you know, I would just fall asleep with a book in my hand and fall and hit the ground. There was one time I think Chris was talking to me from the other room and I just started snoring. Yeah, right? yeah, that that, yeah. That, we were talking about scheduling and stuff and I had a question and I was like, hey Mel, what about this? And all I heard was... Yeah, I would fall asleep within, okay. within the space of two or three minutes. Uh, so I was pretty wiped out. I'm sure it's going to happen again this time. Um, yeah. And that we have like an hour... Drive, or I have an hour drive probably back and forth every day because I'm staying where I stay in California and we're actually shooting up in Lancaster at least this week. Yeah. So uh, I'll have a little commute. But the place where we shoot in Lancaster is kind of a uh, it's kind of a closet space situation where everybody could stay in the house. So I may end up crashing there. We'll see how tired this old man gets because I am coming up on old 39. Oh, wow. Here in a couple weeks. Yep. So what a what a... What a better way to ring in my birthday, my 39th birthday, than start shooting a movie like the week before and then have my birthday week and then go back the week after to finish shooting that movie in California. So, uh, you know, I may bitch and moan and complain, but I'm pretty happy to be where I am considering, you know. I just wish it hadn't taken so fucking long to get here. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, because you've been at this for how many years now? Uh, well, if we count from when I made Fade to Black, which is pretty much like where we, where I guess I would start. Yeah. Saying I was being trying to be a professional filmmaker, even though Fade to Black is nowhere near professional. Uh, I would say, I mean, it's two, 2000 is when we started. Okay. So fifteen years. Yeah. Almost 16 now. Yeah, almost 16. So, uh, yeah, 
it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. And fortunately, like, we keep, you know, every, every film we come off of, I feel like we at least get <clears throat> two or three really, really valuable relationships out of it, you know, that lead, in one way or another, lead to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Like Cold Descent, you know, we got in good with a lot of people, including Jason. Uh, but also Tony Todd, you know, who agreed to be in 30 to 45 and, you know, is down for doing a lot of stuff with us and is now the voice of Zoom on The Flash. And there's a lot of crazy stories going with Tony as well. Yeah, yeah. Chris has a lot of crazy Tony stories. Um, you know, I feel like like maybe I'm not... I have to step back because sometimes I get pissed off and jaded, I guess, even though I am kind of making it work. But I have to step back and realize that a lot of the benefit I'm getting, I've gotten from what we've done so far, is not... I don't want to say it's not monetary because I have benefited from it, you know. But it's not tangible like that. Like, it's like my friendship with Lisa, my friendship with Debbie, my relationships with the distributors, our friendship with Tony, the crew people that we've met uh, that, like Will Barrett, like Jason, you know, like Ed, uh, Yusef, you know, like all those those people that are going to kind of, like Brigitte Elmar, who I never thought in a million years, you know, would end up being, you know, Elmar Berger, who was a co-producer with me on 100 Tears, is the guy that's producing Black Summer, the movie that I went to AFM for. So, I mean, he reached out to me last year, right after I got back, or was it this year? It was this year. It was this year. Right after we got back from shooting Cold Descent and just needed a line producer, and I'd just done that on Cold Descent. So that eventually led to me going to AFM and making all these other connections. So, you know, it's kind of like, it, it it's led it's led to stuff that I can't take for granted, you know. Um because those things are going to lead to other things. And I I do, if I were to chart it out on a graph, I would see an upwards trend for sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it just doesn't, because mm. I, you know, I do, I do realize that I've been in it, been doing it for a long time. It has affected my life in a real way, both good and bad. Again, read the blog for that stuff. But, you know, it, uh, things are happening differently. You know, like I, Instead of chasing people down, they're chasing me in a way. Um, like I, the reason I've been doing a lot of line producer UPM AD stuff lately is because people approach me to help them with their movie, and they wouldn't. I don't think they'd do that if they didn't respect what I've managed to accomplish with my stuff and on other stuff. So it is kind of working, and hope you know it, it looks like it's working in a way where. I do that for them, and then that leads to a situation where we can make some of our stuff happen with them. Yeah. So, um, we're about to take a Bucky's break, because we need to get breakfast. We are, we're on the road. But, I mean, before we do that, and get these delicious brisket kolaches, is there anything you'd like to add, Chris? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, once we come back, we can definitely go into a little more detail about some other, some of the other things. Uh, I... I would, I mean, obviously this is my first movie since being laid off, but I would have to agree with you that seeing After Cold Descent, well, where does that, yeah, I guess if we're going to go California and not Texas movies, 
um, cold after cold descent, and there was definitely an uprise for you. Um, not so much me because obviously I was still working nine to five, but there was definitely an uprise in just people reaching out to you and saying, "Hey, Mel, can you do this? Hey, Mel, what about this? You know, stuff like that." Um, so yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely agree on that part, and I think hopefully it continues that way. You know, and it doesn't. We don't. There's not a, like a plateau, or we see like this weird dive down again. You know, which I would hope not. I don't think that's going to happen. So not from what I'm seeing, at least. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna go stuff our bellies, and then uh, we'll probably be back and talk more shit. Yeah. All right. So on the road again. Gut full of kolaches. Yeah. So we shall continue. You know, one. Uh, one thing, and I, you know, when I first started saying it, it became a joke, and a joke about it with Chris and Brittany Miles and Melanie and people that are sort of like close in the fold. But it's kind of becoming a real sort of mile marker or watermark as to like how professional production would be. What What do you think I'm going to say, Chris? I does this revolve around your genius? Is it this one or what? There, no, no. There I was actually no. I'm not. Okay. This is not me blowing myself okay. for once. Uh, no, come on. Like what? Oh, that's the on star. You're gonna have to ignore that. Um, so what do I always bitch about? Like what have I been bitching about so much lately? Like what's always on the two most cluster fucking movies <laughs> that I've worked on. Or one of the which walkies. the walkie talk, yeah, walkie talkies, yeah. <laughs> so for me, what I found is a good sort of uh, a good sort of market to know what you're in for on a production is whether or not the walkie talkies are the canary in the mine shaft. Yeah, they really are. If the production is willing to rent or purchase professional walkie talkies, then they're probably on the right track. You're probably in for an okay ride, maybe not the best, but at least they're sort of thinking right. But if you if, you, if people fight you on it, stay away. Run. Yeah, run, beware, abandon all hope, you who enter here, because for some reason, like that is that's the low hanging fruit for people that are movie posers, I guess. Like. Like, I can't believe how much trouble I went through on this last film, the one I was just talking about that was just terrible, to convince people that we needed radios on set of some kind. (laughs) And I even set up a deal with our radio rental house out in L.A. uh, to give us a really good price on it. The only thing that was going to kind of gouge them was the overnight shipping from L.A., but it's because they waited to the last minute to get everything taken care of. I rented radios for this production we're going to right now from the same place. I pick them up Friday. They're letting us keep keep them the whole time. Like we go down for two weeks and then start shooting again because of Christmas. They're letting us keep the radios the whole time and then I bring them back mid-January. Guess how much it costs? How much? $125. Wow. Yes. That's it? That's it. So, it's not expensive if you go to the right place and you plan right. Like, if they planned correctly on the Houston film, even though they couldn't find a good deal on walkies locally because people try to gouge you, 
in LA, there's all kinds of places that are looking to rent walkies because it's oversaturated. And they'll ship them anywhere in the country. Like, if they had planned right, they could have gotten them shipped for relatively cheaply. What they ended up doing was buying cheap radios from Academy, which only worked half the time, you know. And it even took, like, an act of Congress for me to get that. And you know what? The first question people would ask me when they got onto the set, like if they were PAs or department heads or whatever on this other movie, do you, do I have a radio? Do you have a radio for me? Because they had worked on other productions where communication was important, I guess. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're shooting in one location. Like, you're spread out all over the place. You may be interior. You may be exterior. You may need to communicate so that other people can't hear you because they're rolling in the next room. Like, they're an important production tool, you know? And I told you about the moment that I nearly snapped on set, right? Like, yeah. Like, they, for some reason, well, I, not for some reason, I just told you these people didn't know how to communicate or shoot a movie, but they hadn't told this actress that exited the set that she needed to re-enter so they could get both shots, both actions in the same shot. So she was outside the building <clears throat> and needed to be told to come back in this direction was not communicated to her prior to the camera rolling. I don't know why. You should probably know why from what I've told you about the film, but... So that wasn't happening. So the DP and the director start arguing about it to figure out who's going to tell her. No one takes the initiative to run and tell her. Then they start yelling at me and asking me to tell her in kind of aggressive voice, you know, which kind of, like, I was kind of already... I already have a short temper. I was pretty much done by that point. And the thing that really made the, the twig in my mind snap was they were like, you need to tell her to come back in. And I was like, how am I supposed to tell her? They were like, use the walkie or use the radio. <laughs> Granted, I only had a radio and a few other choice people only had radios because I happen to have those cheap walkies that they got us plus a couple other cheap walkies I just happen to have in my car. So we're using those Academy, like, camping walkies just to, like, for the bare minimum. So when they asked me to utilize this tool to communicate something to this actress, which was a tool that they said was not necessary for production, I kind of just, like, turned my head like Michael Myers and just, like, walked away. I was just done, you know what I mean? And I was like, you fucking idiots. Like, so we need a radio now. Now they're important. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, that was kind of... <coughs> that was kind of my moment on that set. One of many, I guess. Which... My, go ahead. ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Which, I'll, I'll interject. I'll be honest. One of the only reasons that I was able to not have a second AD on Cold Descent was because we had walkings. Because I could get in touch with anybody at any point in time if I needed to. So, anyone that ever says they're not a valuable asset to making a movie, they're full of shit and they don't know what they're talking about. Just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, they're they're playing at making movies. You know what I mean? Like they're it's it's like you're playing doctor, or playing house, or playing dress up. Like you've never actually gotten in the trenches and had to do it. You know, had to sort of figure out the easiest way to do stuff. So, listen to what I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Use that as a gauge. 
If the production won't go for walkies, run, run away. Yeah, or <coughs> yeah, you're in trouble, buddy. And uh, you know, this is a this is a good example. This budget we're about to this movie we're about to go shoot. The budget is super tight, super tight. Within like, you know, fifty bucks would make a difference. But I put that line item in the budget. No questions were ever asked. It never came up. It was looked at just like camera or lights. It's something we need to have. It's a necessity. It's a necessity. Uh, and there are some, you know, later, like in January, when we come back to shoot, there are some uh, set pieces that are like, you know, full neighborhood street type stuff. So we're really going to need that communication. Plus we have a, a bunch of effects. So we'll be communicating with the effects department and uh, stuff like that uh, so yeah they're super important uh, to backtrack the first time I should have the first time I really was made cognizant of this and I can't even I don't even know how to put it into words the freaking war of attrition I went through to even keep walkies in the budget on on this on the line item budget of this movie that never got made uh, and it was a big it was planned to be a big film you know, like it was really logistically complicated, much more so than a lot of things I've worked on. Probably more so than Cold Descent, because it was, it was there's a lot more stuff going on. Uh, and we're actually planning to shoot out in the woods, <laughs> pretty much like the wilds of Texas. And every day I would get a call: Hey, do we really need these walkies? Are walkies really that important? And this is from people that supposedly. We're looking at me like I was green and didn't know how to make movies because they all lived in L.A. and knew how to do stuff. Uh, they were in the biz. They were in the biz, yeah, B-I-Z, biz with a Z. Uh, the quotable from that experience is, your film, deal, your film deal don't mean shit to me, bro. <laughs> because I guess they thought, because my movie was released by Lionsgate, I thought I was hot shit. Uh, but now I see it was really, they were pissed off that they could never get anything released or made. But, yeah, I kept having... But these people that, like, supposedly worked in the industry constantly could never get this walkie thing past them. It became a constant sticking point. Meanwhile, we're spending hundreds and thousands of dollars on assistance for the director, assistance for that assistant, shit like that. So, yeah, that's where I first learned my lesson. But, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty typical. <laughs> That's where, uh, isn't that where the Jason Mason Hollywood player came that, from? That is the origin of Jason Mason Hollywood player. Yeah, the character from Placeholders. Um, so, but yeah, there's there's definitely a, in season two of Placeholders, there is a walkie-talkie centric episode. Because it, it burns me up so much. Like, this is, this is going to be my freaking cause to die for, I guess. Um, Walkie awareness, like like Lars Ulrich became like the uh, the hearing guy. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you turn down your guitars. You're playing too loud. Wear earplugs. I'm gonna be the walkie guy yep. for films. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything to add to that, Chris? No, I mean you pretty much summed it up pretty well. Um, their necessity. Don't. Uh, as he said, as I've said, and I'll say it again. If you get on a set and, or if you're about to be on a set and you're 
asking about walkies and they say we don't have them or we're not going to have them, run. Just get the hell out while you can because it's going to be bad. There's going to be issues. Communication is key. I don't care what anybody says. They can say all day, oh, we're all going to be in the same room. No, you're not. There's no way. Too many people. <laughs> you're going to have to have walkies to be able to tell somebody you need something or if something needs to get moved or whatever. Just understand they are a necessity and you have to have them. Because without them, you're going to waste so much time. And in the biz, time is money. Money is time. So that's all I have to say, I think. So what other what other things would you say are like your you know the things that, that sort of annoy you the most about people that sort of haven't been through it taking their licks but I guess things that you encounter that are simple problems I mean we're not talking about people with fevered egos or shit like that that you're never going to solve by you know you're just going to what you're going to have to do is just cut those people out and not work with them because right. you're not going to change that right uh, or psychopaths I <laughs> think you run into that a lot too yeah. or sociopaths who steal money yeah. we've covered all that already yeah. so <laughs> What would you say are, are the things that bug you the most that are easily solvable problems, such as, like, along the lines of the walkie-talkies? Uh, batteries? <laughs> That's one thing I definitely have noticed in the past. Yeah. Is that batteries are always an issue. Uh, like, uh, Energizer AA or, like, for the equipment? or Both. Uh, yeah. Your AA's and your 9 volts. Um, I've noticed, at least from a production standpoint, that, you know, sound, sound always is going to, they're always going to need 9 volts, and they're always going to need double A's. It's just a guarantee, and they're going to eat through them. Like, no joke, I swear on Cold Descent, we spent a ton of money yeah, was on batteries. Yeah, a few, few hundred bucks, for sure. Yeah, of just non-stop batteries, and don't be surprised if you're with a... a a good sound guy will tell you exactly what kind of batteries he needs. And don't go get not those type of batteries just because you want to get the cheaper version. There's a reason why he's telling you he needs those batteries. Whether it's his ego or not getting involved, he's telling you because that's the way he wants. Trust that. Uh, but yeah, one thing I've always noticed that's easily solvable is batteries. Always make sure you have abundant amount of them because you never know when you're going to run out and if you start getting low make sure you start to replenish because it will go faster than you think yeah uh, I would I mean and to expand on that I would say expendables in general yeah 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 yeah. Just, because what I find that people gaff tape gaffer tape like that, people that even have done this a few times they'll go through and they'll make a budget and it'll be like super tight bare bones but they'll forget shit like batteries gaffer tape gels uh just general expendable stuff and then like when you don't so you don't have a line item for it and then you start fighting with the crew people saying they have to pull it out of what you basically told them probably yeah. is their day rate yeah so you're getting 125 a day or whatever 
as a you know a gaffer. But oh yeah, shit, you got to buy your gaffer tape too. Yeah, you gotta actually, gaffer tape was a thing on that other movie. Yeah. I fucking forgot about. Yeah, it was yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, it, it keeps coming back. Like, <laughs> yeah. So they refused to buy Expendables. So there was this crazy Expendables war going on because the the DP, who's a piece of shit, I'll reiterate. But I actually side with him on this. He brought his own because they needed to use, but they wouldn't let anybody else use it. Right. Understandably so. I get that. It's his. He bought it. Right. But why not just spend a couple hundred bucks on the fucking Expendables? You know, it's not that expensive. They're not that hard to get. It, It makes everybody's job easier. But shit like that gets forgotten. And then who ends up getting screwed or, like, you know, is the guy that you've hired that probably is already... If the, if they know what they're doing at all, <laughs> it's probably already working for less than they normally work. So you, you know, and, and now you're gonna ask him to buy his own shit too to use for your movie, yep. which, which is kind of fucked up. Which in a lot of ways he's probably already pretty much not making any anything because of his gas, food, and everything else that he's spending money on that he doesn't really have. So you're pretty much putting him in the negative before he even starts. Yeah. So just make sure, make sure you budget all that stuff in. Like to go off of that, there's lots of hidden costs to making a film, or at least making a film like the right. I don't want to say the right way, but the right way. Yeah. On you know, if you don't want to piss people off or have to worry about clearances later when you sell it, if you sell it. Uh, don't forget about insurance. Don't forget about workers' comp if you're in a place that requires it or you have to do stuff that's going to require it. Don't forget about payroll taxes. Don't forget about the SAG, P&H, the agency fees or location fees, permits, like all the stuff that people will leave out of a budget and just kind of put in day rates and be like, okay, we can make the movie for 40 grand. Here we go. Well, no, you can't really. Yeah. There's lots of other stuff that needs to happen. With the grip truck, don't forget gas. Don't forget the, probably the mileage surcharge if you're driving a good ways away. Uh, you know, things like that. So get somebody that knows what they're doing to make your fucking budget. Like, hire them. Hire me. Because <laughs> yeah. I've actually done that several times over now. Uh, and I know, and having worked on the sets, I mean, the way I kind of got into it was having worked on a set and having to fill that stuff out and realizing what people forgot and having to worry about balancing the budget. And then coming back and making sure it was in the next one from the from the start. So hire somebody that knows what they're doing to be your line producer and get all the items you need in there. Make sure that you're covered. Make sure you have contingency because you're always going to use it. Make sure... Oh, God damn it! I just thought of another thing. Make sure you have hard drives. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. okay, so... Okay, this is the last time I'm going to give that other quote-unquote film any kind of lip service, but I have this, this statement typifies the whole experience. Okay. Yeah. I get on set the first day. Our DIT is there. Who's a guy that I brought in from California. Cause I knew that he, he knew what he was doing and he, he'd be an asset. He'd probably, you know, back me up. He told me like, he'd kill me if I ever walked off, but I'm still alive. Yeah. So. He didn't kill you. Yeah. I did walk off though. Yeah. Like I said, but, uh, he, he gets, Ed gets there and he's like, Hey, uh, can you give me the drive so I can get them ready start formatting them because I think they're ready to dump cards 
I go to the above the line staff and say, hey, where are our hard drives at for the film? They look at me in all seriousness, earnestly, and they say, we need hard drives? We never knew we needed hard drives. And I just threw up my hands and again, like kind of just turned and walked away because I'm like, who, did you think we were shooting on film? Yeah. You know, and even then, like there needed to be like a, a, a strategy in place, which I'm sure you wouldn't have thought of. But like, what, what are you thinking? You know, you're going to have to offload the footage several times a day and back it up so you don't lose your movie or we could just keep buying cards or whatever I don't know whatever strange sort of workflow you've figured out but yes you need hard drives to make a movie in this day and age so remember to get hard drives yeah ask your DIT or editor which ones to get you need to get good ones yeah but everybody has a preference and it depends on what they're editing on and what the computer has but don't forget to get backups everything needs to be redundant something that uh, a lot of DITs like to say and I agree with is if it doesn't exist in three places it doesn't exist it doesn't exist so you need to have a master you need to have a copy of that master and then a copy of that the copy and when they when you go home at the end of the day and they all go to different places so that if God forbid the director has the hard drive and gets killed in a car crash you can carry on his legacy and finish his work there's still a movie yeah you can finish his heartbreaking work of staggering genius and uh, get it out there. Or if something catches fire and everything burns to the ground, you still have that. Yes. Because why lose that too? Exactly. Now, one thing I, I just thought of one as well, thinking of a horrific movie that we worked on earlier this year. Well, it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, last year. I don't know. There's so many horrific movies at this point. Yeah. Um, sidebar... I, hopefully this is not all going to be us bitching about shitty experiences. Right. But I think it's important that we do and that we are. Like, it may sound like there's a lot of histrionics going on or whatever, but we're telling pretty much the absolute truth. Yeah. We're just fired up about it and frustrated because, you know, we're also trying to do this for a living. Exactly. And trying to do it for real. And when you see people that have gotten the opportunity to do so and then fuck it up to all hell, it really makes you mad because... Well, because, you know, you're trying to do it too, and then they may have screwed up the opportunity for you to do it in the future. Exactly. Yada, yada, yada. So, that's why I want to make sure to get this stuff out there, you know, is because I think it's important. And although, you know, not everybody's going to listen to the warning or whatever, at least I, you know, can get it off my chest and say, you know what? I put it out there. You should have listened. <laughs> Maybe it'll save you some money or time. But anyway, back to Chris. Um, one of the things that I will explicitly say that has, money has to be spent on this. Now, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of money, but money has to be spent on this. Food and drinks, you absolutely have to have Crafty on set. Like, if you don't, you're going to have a pissed off crew. Because, A, and don't get me wrong, I'm not... You know, you may have a big budget, you may not. If you don't, and you're an independent film, I'm, trust me, we've all been there, we get it. Money is tight, but just have freaking, just bags of chips, you know, a, more than just a 24-pack of water for a day. Uh, 
you know, these these guys, your crew is going to be killing themselves to help you make your movie, or, you know, you're the crew and you're helping somebody else make a movie, and if you're on that end, you want to be fed, you want to make sure you're not thirsty, you know, you, you want all the things that, you know, your body is going to be needing while you're killing yourself, trying to help somebody else make their movie, or vice versa, you want to provide that because a happy crew is a happy movie, and if you don't have a happy crew, guess what? Your movie's gonna suck, and it's gonna be hell, and you're just gonna be fighting an uphill battle, especially if you're a director, a producer, you're trying to keep the boat together and afloat, and if the crew is pissed and not, not happy, well, guess what? You're just doing nothing but tinging little holes in the side of the boat until it finally is just gonna sink. Um, that's one of the big. That's one of the other big things that I can say. Yeah. You absolutely have to have. It's not. You know. It's there's no question. You need to have that on set. I, Mel and I have both been on sets where that wasn't actually considered a necessity, and watched the entire thing tank bad, real bad. So that was that just while he was talking about other stuff that kind of popped back up in my head so I wanted to bring it up yeah you're right it's like the first it's it's definitely the first sound, like shot across the bow of like when shit starts going bad because that it's like I know and I've seen and I've manipulated to my benefit um, if you have like the reverse is true too like if you have relatively decent craft services and relatively decent meals and you respect that aspect of things you can kind of get a little extra out of your crew and I'm not saying make them work overtime or kill them or whatever but there are going to be the every film has at least one if not maybe two or three of those apocalypse now kind of nights you know, you know where you're going up the fucking river <laughs> and you know you're never, you're never going to get there but even if you do there's going to be a bunch of crazy natives waiting to cut your head off you know, like, it, it's just a terrible... It seems like it's never going to end. It's super... It's super complicated. The scene you're shooting may be complicated. Uh, there may be other things going on uh, that are kind of screwing up your productivity. But if you have kind of laid the groundwork of sort of taking care of people in that most basic way, they'll be more willing to get your back. You know, even subconsciously. Even if they're bitching outwardly. Inside, they know they're not going to leave because they're, they're, they they see that you've tried to do right by them. You know, even if you maybe don't have the money or whatever, like you 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 show that you appreciate them in some way. Yeah. You know, so it will benefit you in the long run. But yeah, what you're saying, the, the, the reverse the reverse of the reverse is definitely true. Like where you start out not really doing that or not caring or being laissez-faire about it. Oh, we ran out of water. Oh well, we'll have more tomorrow. <laughs> You know, and people are steady getting thirsty or whatever, or cold. You know, if it's if, if it's cold out, you know, you don't have like hot chocolate or coffee or whatever. That plants that seed. So when think when you do start getting in the boat to go get Colonel Kurtz, nobody wants to go with you. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, they're like, screw you, Sheen. Go have your heart attack by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Your ass out because you let us go without water for half a day. So, yeah, that's that's an easy thing to solve. Just fucking get a Costco card and go get giant cases of water, chips, fruit snacks, granola bars, you know. 
And also, side note, watch for the one guy that showed up just to eat your craft services. Yeah, There's yeah, always that guy. Always one. Yeah. And he's he's not going to contribute anything substantial to your movie, but he's going to eat the hell out of your freaking chips or your oatmeal cookies that are so delicious that you can only get from Costco in California. Or your Cliff Bars. Or your Cliff Bars. Or your Cokes. Yeah. Or your chocolate-covered almonds. He's going to fill a Dixie cup with chocolate-covered <laughs> almonds and act like nobody saw him. But somebody saw him. I guarantee you somebody saw him. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so I think we're just about in an hour here. We probably can wrap it up and like save some stuff for future. Like there's, I've already thought of four or five things that are going to be like a whole episode unto yeah. themselves. Yeah, for sure. Like fire people early. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like that's going to, yeah, that's going to be a whole one for sure. Yeah. Um. But uh, anything to add in closing? No, I mean, just, you know, I, what you've said is pretty much right on point. I completely agree. And just make sure you take care of your personnel. Like, they're, they're the structure around your frame. Like, you need to, to build your house. You've got to have them. And if they're not happy, that house is not going to get built. Like, just be ready for that and understand it. Like, don't. Don't get pissed off. Don't cry. Don't whine because, oh, my God, I don't have, you know, I don't have $200 to go get food. Well, you need to figure it out. Like, if that means you've got to find somewhere in the budget you need it. You personally take a hit. Whatever you need to do, you got to make it happen because, trust me, in the long run, it's going to make everything better. And you're not going to have people coming up screaming, basically not just screaming, but basically coming up and saying, I'm, I fucking quit. Like, eat a bag of dicks, I'm walking away. Trust me, it will happen if you don't have food, if you don't take care of the necessities that everybody needs. I think that's it. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you don't have the ability to do that, well, wait until you do. Yeah. Or don't, or put it all on yourself. I mean, be a one-man band, shoot it yourself. You're the only person that suffers. Get into stop-motion animation. It's pretty much just you and the clay at that point. You know, like, if you really are in dire straits and can't afford to do that stuff, don't drag other people down with you. You know? Yeah. Like, un- unless they know what they're getting into. I mean, there are situations where it's happened. You know, I know that this is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, necessarily, but... When you get, when you start trying to play with in the big, bigger leagues and having a crew and making a movie, in some way, shape, or form, the way Hollywood does it, you know, like mimicking that structure. Yeah. That yeah, you need to think about that shit. Otherwise, it's not going to work for you. You know. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's enough bitching for one day. Yeah. yeah. Or at least one stretch of the trip if yeah. we get bored I guess we can fire up when we get when we when we hit that stretch between San Antonio and El Paso yeah it's the probably, soul killer yeah it's probably gonna happen uh, we might uh, we'll do another one and, and hopefully this week while we're shooting I'm hoping to maybe get Jason to talk a little bit yeah, and like maybe we'll corner him or Will Barrett would be good because he's done a bunch of shit he's a really cool guy and he and I like I I have a lot in common with his background like we kind of came from the same public access routes or whatever Uh, I think him and Adam Green actually met at the public access station and that's where they started working together 
Uh, excuse me. But yeah, I'd like to pull, I'd like to pull some of those guys on too, and kind of have them speak to barely living the dream, which yeah. I think is going to be the title of the podcast. I've already got the song written and everything, so nice. why not? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Adios.